You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to take a look this morning as we start a new series entitled Taboo. Um, let me just say as you're opening your Bibles there, uh, um, encourage you to be a part of the centennial celebration uh, a lot of us here are not uh, brought up in the assemblies of God. Some of us are. Some of us have had roots in the assemblies of God for a number of years. But uh, the assemblies of God is 100 years old next week. And it was 100 years ago that the uh, fellowship joined together. And this was a posting that they sent out. One of the words it said, calling uh, for a uh, uh, full gospel uh, gathering in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and as they called for that gathering, there were just over 300 some that responded to that, but the invitation said, no debt, absolutely no deadbeats allowed. That was how the invitation read when it went out to the churches that were there, they, absolutely no deadbeats allowed. And what their emphasis was to come with a desire and a passion to pursue God and to reach the world in this last day with, uh, the great, as the Great Commission calls us to do. We are 100 years later, and how many know the Great Commission still stands in front of us? And so as we are church together, not just as an assembly of God church, but more importantly, as a church belonging to Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. Uh, because the, the, uh, the kingdom of God is bigger than the assemblies of God. Uh, the assemblies of God, it's a, a great heritage. I, I, I love the assemblies. My family came into the assemblies uh, when I was uh, probably about 13 years old. And, and so we've developed some history and starting, started gaining roots here. And uh, it's been a great fellowship. But the kingdom of God is greater than one church, than one denomination, than one fellowship. It is the kingdom of God. And we're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I want to encourage you on August 10th, come and be a part of that. The reason it's starting at 8 o'clock is because it's a live simulcast uh, going to be shown from Springfield, Missouri. And um, there's going to be some great speakers there. They're going to be promote, promoting or uh, casting vision for a movement. And uh, those are students that were at uh, National Youth Convention this past week. Uh, they actually heard it first. It was actually launched at Youth, National Youth Convention in Columbus, Ohio. And the theme or the movement is this. It's called the Human Right Movement. And uh, it really is It's simple and powerful in that our efforts and everything that we're energizing ourselves around and coming around is all focused on sharing Jesus with the world. Um, and the Human Right Movement is this that there are a lot of rights that we can fight for and advocate for in the world. Uh, rights for, for, uh, for life, rights for, for uh, free speech, rights for uh, uh, those that need help with AIDS and, and different humanitarian aid and things that we can do. There are a lot of rights that we can advocate for, but the greatest right is this, that every person has the right to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our commitment and our goal is to do those things, but to not just be benevolent and humanitarian in aid, but to be godly in that we share the gospel, that we take with that to every part of the world in this last thrust, whatever the Lord gives us, to share the gospel. Because the Bible says that when the gospel is preached throughout all the earth, then the end will come, that Jesus is nearing his return. And it's only his patience and his, pa his patience that causes 
his return to not happen because he is patient and he's willing that none should perish. He's giving more opportunity for people to respond to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so on August the 10th, I'm encouraging you to come and be a part of that. Uh, it will be a, a, just an opportunity as you hear Vision Cast from a global perspective. It'll be going all around the world. And uh, we're going to be hosting that as one of the sites here in uh, southwestern PA. And uh, so it'll start at 8 o'clock. Uh, will be the simulcast, but 7 o'clock, come for fellowship and just a time to, uh, to uh, be together and uh, just to hear the word together. And it will probably go from 8 to 10. So just giving you the, an idea there. But it's summer. You don't have school tomorrow. At least they say it's summer. The calendar says it. But last night as I needed to borrow a sweatshirt, I wasn't sure it was summer. I mean, who pulls out a sweatshirt at 8 o'clock at night on August the 2nd? I did, but uh, it was weird. Anyway, taboo, if you have your Bible, sec, or, uh, Genesis chapter 2. As we start this series, if you know what taboo is, it's something that is uh, prescribed by our society as being improper or unacceptable. It's taboo. You can have things that are taboo in your in your, your uh, workplace, your, our culture, our church culture, our families. They're taboos. There's things that are unpermitted. We don't, even, we don't even deal with that. Sometimes we don't even deal with it. We don't even talk about it. Uh, we don't even deal with it so much. We don't even say anything about it. It's taboo. We don't, we, we don't address it. And sometimes uh, you know what it is. You can be in those places and someone can say something and maybe you're sitting at a dinner table or you're with some individuals and all of a sudden someone makes that awkward comment. You know, like someone just brought up politics in a, commu- in a gathering of people that you realize, oh, this is going to get awkward. How many have ever been in a conversation and someone said something and the moment they said it, it was like, oh, who brought that person? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I, they say that about me all the time. They're like, you know, that person knows how to just make things awkward in that moment. You know, they just know how to say things. It's kind of, you know, just, uh, just real, real awkward. And uh, they, they just do those, those, those uh, they, they're gifted at it. I think Jesus was gifted at awkward moments. I think Jesus was one of those that, it, Jesus had the ability uh, to create moments of awkwardness. I mean, imagine when uh, Jesus, of course, is uh, with the woman at the, the well. And the woman at the well, Jesus says, uh, where's your husband? And she says, I don't have one. And what's Jesus' response? Jesus says, oh, that's right. You've had five, and the one you're with is not your husband. <laughs> Awkward. You know, it's like, hmm, it got quiet all of a sudden. You know, it's, so how's the weather? You know, <laughs> what, do you, what do you say after that? It's, uh, they just say those things, and sometimes it can be awkward moments. But I believe this. That when we're willing to address stuff that might seem awkward, that God can open our eyes to see truth and to see change. And so why don't we just start this morning? I want everybody to just feel awkward. And so this morning, the title of our message is Naked and Ashamed. <laughs> it just got awkward, right? <laughs> There's a scripture in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to talk about being naked today. And um, some of you are like, I'm leaving the church It's in the Bible. (laughs) Naked and ashamed. Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 25. Genesis 22, (laughs) Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Here's what the Bible says. Now, although Adam and his wife were both naked, that means, well, you know what it means. Though Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. 
Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really? He asked Eve, the woman, did God really say that you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will surely die. Verse 4, you won't die, hissed the serpent. He's the bad guy, by the way. He's the devil. He always tells lies. The Bible says that's the only language he knows. He's the father of lies. Anytime he opens his mouth, he lies. You won't lie. You won't die. The herpet. Oh, my goodness. I can't. I quit. Someone else. I If you remember how we started this morning, refresh, renew. You know, we just start all over again. The serpent says, you will not die. God knows that your eyes will be open the moment you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh and delicious, and it would make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. She then gave it to her husband, who was with her. Now notice, her husband is with her. I know Eve gets a lot of the blame. The Bible even says. But Adam was right there. Adam could have intervened. Sometimes the benefit that we take is, well, I'll just go along with it, but it's not my fault. (laughs) But Adam is just as guilty as Eve was. He could have intervened. He could have spoke up. He could have stopped. I think it started there. Adam was with her. Then he ate it also. Verse 7, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Now, you realize, naked, no shame. Still naked, I'm ashamed. What happened that they were naked at the beginning, they're still naked, but somehow they were no longer ashamed, or they were ashamed when before they were not ashamed. Now, I know we could easily say, oh, well, simple, sin entered the world. And you are absolutely right. But I believe not only with it that sin entered the world, but it became man's response to sin and the nakedness became a a realization and man began to respond with their best effort to fix the problem. Here's what the Bible says. So they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking around in the garden, so they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, where are you? I believe this morning, God might be saying to someone here today, where are you? Where have you been? Where, are, where have you been going? What's going on? You've been hiding yourself. You've been abstaining and staying away. You, you've been pushing me away. You've been seeing me as a problem and you're hiding from me. You're away from me. Where are you? 
You can't come to church anymore. You're, you want to stay around or get away from certain people because there's certain things that just come up and you're hiding. You're in a place that you don't like to be. And God comes along. He says, where are you? Here's what Adam responds. He replied, being a polite young man who was just freshly made in the image of the Lord. He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, God said. Who told you you were naked? Who have you been talking to? Who have you been listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that there was this issue? Of course, God knew right away. He said, who told you? Did you eat that fruit that I told you not to eat? Because there was nothing wrong with you being naked before. Now all of a sudden, you got a problem with your nakedness. Because something shifted along the way. Father, open our eyes this morning to see your word, to hear your truth, and to respond to your promise for us. I pray today, God, that we would not be clothed in shame, but we would be clothed in your righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Of course, I don't have to tell you what naked means. You understand it means being exposed. It means being without. We've all been in in, uh, those moments where you may have felt that you're lacking something and you feel like you need to hide, not just literally, but sometimes emotionally. We hide ourselves. We, We try to cover ourselves. You realize that Obviously, being naked can and should cause shame. We don't promote being naked in public. You don't do that. But do you realize a two-year-old doesn't know that? I was with a a neighbor, and uh, their daughter came running out in her underwear. And she's two years old. She comes running out the front door. And I'm talking to the dad in the front. And a little girl goes running out. And mom opens the door. Get in here and get some clothes on. And the dad, of course, just shakes his head. I'm laughing because, like, glad it's not my kids, you know, because they're 10 and 13 and 15. That'd be a problem. And uh, the little girl, this is, this is what strikes them. The little girl, she's about two years old. She's running. Mommy said, put clothes on. I mean, she's just laughing. It's a game to her. You realize shame is something you're taught. You don't realize shame until you get enough of life experiences to tell you, You should have shame. And then when life's experiences come along and tell you you should have shame, you forget somewhere along the line that you're supposed to dump the shame because God came so that you might not have to carry that shame any longer. You see, I'm brought into a world that there's sin. And because of sin, I'm exposed to shame. The longer I live in life, I recognize there are things that I should be ashamed of. There are things that should bring and do bring shame. Now, the unfortunate thing is that we can sometimes, our culture, shift that, and the things that should have shamed us don't shame us any longer, and the things that shouldn't shame us do shame us. Uh, someone said one time, you know, they said, uh, speaking of taboo, stuff you don't talk about, you never talk about religion and politics in public. And I think, number one, we're not just religious, but if there's anything that really needs to be talked about among people, it's the stuff we say we shouldn't talk about because we don't want to offend or hurt. And I understand that. There needs to be tact. you got to say things in love. There's a right approach. I un- that's absolutely true. There's a way to do that. But then 
Shame is something we experience over time and things that we should be ashamed of. We come to a place where we realize that brings shame. So there should be a change that occurs in our life. But the moment we come to Jesus Christ, we should no longer carry the shame. Because here's the reality. I was naked when I got here. I'm going to be naked when I leave. Shame came when I realized my wrongful ways. But shame was discarded and gotten rid of the moment I put on the righteousness that is from Jesus Christ. There's some of you here today, your life experiences are causing you to live with shame. You've been carrying shame for years. You've got shame from your past, maybe childhood. There's shame that haunts you in things that you should have done. There's shame in how you've made decisions. There's shame that comes along and says, you shouldn't have done this. I would even look and say to my, my, of my dad, I got saved when I was seven. My dad got saved when he was 22. His sin is a lot bigger than mine, so I think. But that's not true. We're, we're responsible to the same amount of shame. He doesn't have more shame because he did get drunk when he was young and, and he got saved when I was young and he brought me up in the ways of God so that I never experienced that. But my shame is still the same that if I walk in sin or, or there's things that I've not done properly, I've not honored the Lord, there's still a shame that, be, that can be connected to that. It doesn't matter how bad your shame is. This isn't a competition. This isn't something of, oh, you don't know my past because here's the reality. We could go around this room and every single one of us would say there's a little secret inside that I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody to know this ever happened in my life. I don't want every, anybody ever know I've been tempted in this area of my life. I don't want anybody to know that I've had thoughts in this area or this has been a struggle. Can I tell you, listen, there's a grace of God that turns and our lives are changed God makes all things new. But don't ever think that you've got so much shame that you're a worse sinner than anybody else. The enemy's desire is to cause you to live in a world of shame. This is what he wants you to do. He wants you to be covered, not by God's righteousness, but by shame. He comes to Eve and he says to Eve, he says, so did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden here? Did God really say that? Now, those of you that might know the Bible, you recognize and say, of course, God did not say that. God did not say you can't eat from any, any tree in the garden. How many know that was an error? It was, uh, it was an erroneous uh, question or statement. He was speaking in error, but how many know that's what the devil always does? But the devil is trying to twist a question to cause Eve's perception to be in a Mis, mis, dis, disregarded in truth and here's what, what, he, what she responds he says is it true that you should not eat of any tree in the garden Eve says of course not but here's Eve's response of course verse 3 is what she says here she says of course not we're allowed to eat from the garden the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that is the tree that we're allowed or that we're not allowed to eat from God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die how many realize here this morning, if you know the Bible or you've read Scripture, Eve added a little more to what God said. Eve, here's Eve's response. Satan comes along and he makes an error. He makes a wrong statement. That's what he does. Did God say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve responds, no, God didn't say that. Of course not. God just said we can't eat from the tree in the middle. Here's the problem. You and I read the Adam and Eve story or we hear the account of creation and Adam and Eve 
And some of us forget that there were two trees in the garden. Most of us just focus on the one tree like Eve. Eve says that tree in the middle. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. At the center of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jump down to verse 16. But the Lord God gave this warning. You, are free, you may freely eat any of the fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Now, now here's what I want you to hear. Here's Eve's response when Satan says, is it true that you're not allowed to eat any? Here's how Eve responds. Eve says, that's not true. This is what he said. He said, you can't eat from that tree in the middle. Wait a minute, Eve. There's two trees. And she adds to it. She says, you can't eat from it or even, did God say you can't touch it? So here it is. Satan speaks in error, but Eve even speaks in exaggeration. She exaggerated and went from what God's truth was. Here's what's Eve doing. Eve is immediately connecting that God is a God of rules. She has now added rules to this walk with God because she says you can't eat of it and let's add another rule. You can't even touch it. God didn't add that rule. God said there are two trees in the garden and here's how we even, you would have to admit, most of us here today even forget that there were two trees in the garden. Why? Because we focus on the bad. We focus on the do not touch tree. We focus on the, that's not good for you. You're, I, can't, I can't believe you do that. Oh, I, I expected more out of you. I thought you were really a Christian. Oh, you're the Christian cop. I forgot. <laughs> oh, you set the standards. Well, listen, I believe there's a responsibility to do that. But we don't get closer to Jesus by following rules. We don't get closer to Jesus by following rules. Listen, Eve immediately added rules of what ought to happen. And here's what she missed. She began to emphasize rules. When God is not a God of rules, he is a rewarder. What's it say in Hebrews that the acts of faith, he says that without faith in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and what? That he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Here's the problem. She had her pursuit on the wrong tree. She was looking in the wrong direction. When we, we come to a place that in our nakedness, in our place of, of, of realizing where we are, that when our pursuit is in the wrong place, it only reveals our nakedness. But when your pursuit is in the right place, you don't even realize what you're missing because your eyes are taken by what you have. You don't realize what you're missing because your eyes are fixed on what you've never, what you, what you need and all you'll ever need. When your eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, how many know that when you set your eyes on beauty, it's hard to see the flaw? When you set your eyes on the good, it's hard to see the bad. But when you set your eyes on the bad, it's hard to see the good. When you set your eyes on the unfair, it's hard to see the fair. When you set your eyes on what's not beautiful, it's hard to see what is beautiful. What you set your eyes on. Here's the first thing that causes us to, to move to a place of, of shame is that we are in the wrong perception. I want you, if you're taking notes, you can write these three words down. Perceive, pursue, and produce. Perceive, pursue, and produce. 
Because this is the process of how we, we begin to try and fix our nakedness. We all are born naked. Job said it, naked I came into the world, naked I'm going to leave the world. We understand that. We're understanding that we're evil, or we're, we're equal in the same place. We're all born into an evil world. We're, we're in a place of sin. We're all on a level playing field. But our perception Here it is, Eve has this perception, and instead of fixing her eyes in the middle, now I don't know, I'm looking out at two eyeballs right now. The left one is not working as well as I'd like it to work. Uh, I have to say to my wife, honey, what what exit sign is that? And she says, really? Uh, And I'm like, I don't need a really exit. I need exit 54. But she (laughs) makes an appoint, making the point that you might need to get glasses. Here's what I want you to do today. You're looking out of both your eyeballs, maybe. And um, I want you to take your thumb, and I want you to fix it on the cross. Dr. Meyer, at, uh, uh, this, I saw him do this, and so I'm giving him credit. He's the president at Valley Forge Christian College, so uh, give credit to whom credit is due. So Dr. Meyer, Valley Forge Christian College, I saw him do this once. Put your thumb on the cross. Now, I want you with both eyes. Don't shut any eye. Don't shut both eyes, all right? Hey, somebody take a picture. I'm getting thumbs up from everybody. This is awesome. <laughs> you know, so this is... It's great, yeah. So anyway, so you've got, your, you've got your thumb fixed. Now here's what I want you to do. Just both eyes open, fix it, your thumb on the cross. Now I want you to close one eye and then close the other eye. Go back and forth. You see, you thought you were on center, but if you're looking out of the wrong eye, you're not as centered as you thought you were. If you're looking out of the wrong eye, you're not as centered as you thought you were. There are two trees in the garden. And she's centered on one. But you need both to have the full perspective. You see, when you center on the tree of knowledge, which means that's the rules, let's all be honest. There, are, there is a standard of living that God expects of us. Don't at all hear that, oh, you know, we just throw the standard. That's not it at all. My point is this, standard of living doesn't get you to heaven. Your standard of living doesn't get you to heaven. The way you get to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. Your perception sets course for your pursuit. What you perceive is what you begin to pursue. What you set your eyes upon is what you begin to pursue. And so asking us today, what is our perception? What is the center? Because there's a tree of life and a tree of knowledge. But Eve said only anything about the tree of knowledge. Why? Because it's in our nature to treat God more like a rule master than a rewarder. It's in our nature to perceive God as a bully who is, has high standards that will never reach and will never be lovable. Why? Is that God's fault? No, because we live in an experience of shame. Our innocence was washed away the older we became. Our innocence became damaged, hindered, Hence the reason a two-year-old can just run freely in a pair of underwear and say, Mommy says get clothes on. She learns later you don't do that. Why? Because experience teaches us shame. Now, some of you, hear me, unfortunately have known Jesus, but you're still living in a world of shame. You're still in a place of hiding. And you're living in a place of what is behind you and instead of living in the freedom that God has set before you. There is no shame or condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Eve looks at this 
And she says, we're not supposed to eat from that tree. Satan says, is that what, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Her perception was off. I want you to take a look at Revelation chapter 22. We already acknowledged here, Eve responds and says that God said, don't eat from this tree and don't even touch it, right? But how many would agree with me that Eve added something that God never said? How many would agree? Are we on the same page? That Eve added, do not touch it. God didn't say that because Eve became more focused on the rules and she missed that God was a rewarder. Here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words of this prophetic book, God will remove that person's share, where? In the tree of life, in the holy city that is described in this book. Early on, God is already setting that when your course is running, and you begin to add something more to what God said, when we begin to make up rules that God never put there, God is not a God of wanting rules. God is a God who wants relationship. He is a rewarder of those who what? Earnestly seek him. So what is my, my purpose and my desire? To become a person who pursues and seeks after God. That as I seek after God, he clothes me in his righteousness. But here's what shame does. Shame causes me to hide from God. Right? Shame causes me to go into hiding. What do you think Satan wants to do with you and God? Separate you. He wants you to hide. He wants to keep you from being fulfilled and accomplishing all that God has for you. And how's he going to do that? By covering with you with shame. How's he do that? By causing you to live according to rules that God never applied. God, never did. God is not a God of making rules. He is a God who has come to be a rewarder of those who seek him. When you seek God, the rules will fall in place. But when you seek rules, you won't find God. When you seek God, you'll find rules. But when you, when you seek rules, you won't find God. Let me say that again. When you seek God, you'll find rules. But when you seek rules, right, you're not going to find God. What you're seeking, we all need a standard of living. Please hear that. Without a doubt, you need a standard of living. But the standard of living comes from my pursuit with God. I don't find God because of my standard of living. Are you, are you hearing that? Some of us have grown up in church a long time and we misconstrue that. We put rules and we put standards above the pursuit. God doesn't care about your standards as much as he cares about your heart. And when your heart is pursuing God, he'll take care of the standards that need to come up and be raised in your life. You can't find God by raising standards. You find God by pursuing him. For some of you, that needs to set liberty right now in your heart. Because we wear this weight of, I've got to perform for God. I've got to, I've got to do good stuff for God. I've got, to, I've got to make all this work. And we carry a religious baggage. Amen? And God never meant for that to be. He's, that's not what he's called. And if we're going to share in that tree of life, we've got to set our eyes on the right tree. The green one? Or the red one. I don't know if it was a color, but uh, here, you can have the red one. I like the green one. Just kidding. You can have it, though. This choice in our lives, what it is that we're going to pursue, we, we perceive, we pursue, and then we, we produce. Here, what did they do? They're hiding in the garden. I want you to hear this this morning. 
God says, where are you? You realize there's a twist here? They used to wake up in the morning and go find God. Now God has to go find them. That's what sin did. Sin entered the world in the moment we ate the bad apple that Jackson has, because he's got the bad apple. I didn't call you a bad apple. You realize I didn't say that. I didn't say that, Mom, after I said that. I, it's a very good apple. Uh, good. Awkward. You know how that thing is. Just somebody just says something. This guy right here, I do that. Uh, sin entered the world, and it became a shift. Before sin, man didn't know he was naked because all he saw was God's glory, and all he pursued was God's glory. He saw so much of God, he didn't even see what he was lacking because he saw so much of God. But the moment they ate of the fruit and it became about them, all of a sudden, we've got to hide. And what used to be man pursuing God, created pursuing creator, now became creator pursuing created. That's why Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Sin entered the world and all of a sudden the pursuit had to change. Man was called to pursue God. Sin entered the world, now God had to pursue man. Raise your hand if he has found you. The Bible says we did not love him, he loved us, he found us. He came to us. I didn't find God, God found me. Some people say, oh, I came to a place and I found God. No, you didn't. God found you. God found you in the midst of your despair and your loneliness, your brokenness. He found you. And those of you that raised your hand that God found you, hello, the pursuit goes back to where it should have been the first time. God only comes after you once on a rescue mission. After that, you join his team and you pursue him. Sometimes we get found and we still keep it all about us eating the apple and say, God, come find me again. And God says, no, put down the apple and pursue what I've got for you. Here's what shame wants you to do. Shame, the enemy wants you to be clothed in shame to keep you in that hiding, to keep you in that place of separation. Shame is meant to keep you from pursuing God. You're naked. We're naked. I'm naked. But when I pursue God, I don't realize my nakedness because I see his glory. If Eve would have looked at both trees, she only looked at the bad one. She only looked at the one that had rules. And let me encourage you, quit trying to love God with your rules. You can't love God with your rules. You can't love God with your standards. You can honor God in your worship, but that's your pursuit. I want to say it again. Pursue God, you'll find rules. Pursue rules, you won't find God. Capture that in your heart of how we get, we pursue God. Is it by feelings? Do I wake up every morning and feel like pursuing God? No, there's some days I don't feel like it. Can we be honest? Some of you are like, I can't believe the preacher just said that. No, there are days I have to put feelings aside and say, God, I'm frustrated with life. (laughs) Yeah, preachers get frustrated sometimes. God, I feel like there's so much going on. I'm overwhelmed. I, you know, I'm trying to make sense of what's going on here. And there have been moments where it's like, God, I don't even want to try. I don't have the energy. But I have to weed through all that and say, no, that, that stuff doesn't matter because that's all the stuff the enemy wants me to wear, shame, baggage, and push me back. But i got to weed through all that and say, no, I've got a pursuit that's greater. 
I've got a pursuit that's greater. You see, my pursuit is greater than faith assembly. I love faith assembly with a passion. I count it a privilege to be able to pastor this church in line of some great men and women who have served and who have given of their sweat, their blood, their tears. Literally, someone lost sleep, spending nights here and just watching over. I, I am honored of God. I count it a huge privilege. But my pursuit is greater than faith assembly. My pursuit goes beyond this moment, this time. It's the, it's the God who created me. It's the God who called me in my mother's womb. It's the God who, who called us to those things that our pursuit needs to be on him. But the enemy wants to do everything he can to keep us in shame. We got to get rid of the rules. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close with this. What did Adam and Eve do the moment they hid? What you perceive is what you pursue. And what you pursue becomes produced in your life. They began to hide. Here's what the Bible says. They ate of the fruit and all of a sudden they felt shame. They were naked. So they sewed some fig leaves together to cover up themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but fig leaves are probably not the most comfortable attire. But here's what we do sometimes. We try to work so much for God, and we try to do work. There's a lot of us going to heaven. We're hoping to put on some nice fig clothes. Oh, you ought to see my latest fig, fa- fig fashion. I got this great fig fashion at the fair. I served, and I worked, and I did. It's the latest model. We can do all kinds of things, putting on the figs and Looking good. Oh, you look good in your figs, bro. I mean, you, nice figs. Hey, where'd you get your figs? Figs are us. Figs. I don't know. Um, the Bond figs. I don't know the Bond. Where'd you get your figs? I, man, you look good in your figs. Here's the problem with that. You can do all the work to try and get into heaven. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, this is, it was powerful to me. I don't know if it's going to be powerful to you. It was so powerful to me, I got out of my office. I said, Judy, look at this. <laughs> and Judy was like, get back in there. Go. No, she didn't. <laughs> Mark chapter 11. I read that and I said, oh, they put on fig leaves. So there's figs in the fig trees. Mark chapter 11, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. He spends the night not far out, not too far outside of Jerusalem. He wakes up the next morning. He's hungry. He wants something to eat. He sees a little way off. He sees a fig tree, and he sees a fig tree full of leaves. I mean, you could clothe all kind of Adam and Eves with this fig tree. It had enough fig leaves on it to just make an entire collection. He sees the fig tree with all the leaves, and he goes up because he's hungry. But the Bible says there were all kind of leaves, but there were no fruit. There was no fruit. And because there was no fruit, Jesus says, I curse you and may no one ever eat from your tree again. And the Bible says immediately the tree withered up and died. His disciples are, whoa, what just happened? This man has all kind of authority. He just cursed the fig tree. Jesus then leaves there and he goes into the temple. Who do you think he found in the temple? The religious people. The people who had all the rules. This is how we come to church. 
Sit up, you're not sitting upright. I'm proper. Oh, how God would love you if you would be just like I am, for I am loved of God, and I do such as God would. And oh. Jesus said, you religious people, You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. You've made this all about your profit, your gain. Listen, you might say, no, I'm not taking any, anybody's money. No, you, but you're sure banking a lot in your own ego. I'm not taking anybody's money, but you're sure banking, taking a lot to puff yourself up. You may not be taking money to build up your bank account, but I'd like you to see how religious I am. I follow the rules. God doesn't love me because I follow rules. He loves me because while I was still a sinner, he stretched out his hands on a cross. And he died for this foolish German, Polak, whatever I am. And he said, I love that guy, Jason, somewhere down the line. There's going to be a boy. He's going to be brought into this earth. And I'm dying for him. He died for you. He died for you for you not because I have good rules not because of anything I've done you say well I've wear some good figs wear those figs to heaven he already cursed them so you're naked put all the figs you want on but he already cursed the fig tree because there's a lot of leaves but no fruit God let faith assembly not be a church with a lot of leaves we can have some fig leaves. Oh, we do things good here, don't we? We pray the right way. We raise our hands. Ha ha! Woo! Did you feel that? We do it the right way. Oh no, sing the sing the right song. You gotta sing. You gotta sing the right song. The right song. You gotta do the right stuff. You gotta do this. No, throw all that away. I'm naked before the Lord. All I've got is His presence. Some song didn't sing it in. Some event didn't happen. I'm just before the presence of God. Put me in a prison cell and I've still got the presence of God. Put me in a backyard somewhere on a wilderness like Moses for whatever it is. I've still got the presence of God. There's all that I need is in Jesus Christ. All that we need. In Him alone. Hear me rules are good we've got to have standards don't ever throw the rules out but don't ever put the rules above God don't ever put the rules as your ladder to try to get to him he doesn't bless you because you're good enough listen God had to slap me in the face with this one time I told a person God isn't baptizing you in the Holy Spirit because there must be secret sin it didn't he didn't hit me right away But a couple years later, the Holy Spirit took me back to what I said. And the Holy Spirit said, I never said that. I never put that in the book. You did. And that's not the gospel that I called you to preach. I didn't call you to preach a gospel of standards. I called you to preach a gospel of Jesus Christ who came to seek and to save the lost. Not to build up rules for people to do and jump and all the stuff. And if you can get just high and if you can, if you get right position, then you, you can squeeze your way into heaven like Twister. You know, we, did we make our way? No, I, the only way I get in is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us completely my prayer this morning here's my prayer this morning that if you've been carried 
the shame that God released that from you. You said, oh, but I've got shame because I've not been living good enough. I've not been doing enough good. I've, I've served God and I fell back again. Quit it. What do you think? You're, he never said that was who he, called, who he was in your life. So what if you laid down sin and somewhere along the line you got tempted again? The Bible doesn't say that you should stay there any longer. The Bible says get up. If you've fallen seven times, get back up again. Don't stay in the place of failure. Don't stay where you've been. My God is greater than whatever sin that I'm in. Now granted, I do have standards because of my pursuit of God. Which means there are certain things I don't do because of my pursuit of God. Not because I'm trying to get God to like me. You hear me? If your rules in life are to try to get God's attention, you're not doing it for the right reason. If your Bible time, your prayer time, and all the stuff you're doing, all that is important. But if all of that is out of obligation, and it becomes a rule, and we miss the heart of spending time with the rewarder, you know what? God doesn't care if you didn't read a chapter today. God cares more if you sat in his presence for a couple minutes, if you spent some time with him. Maybe it was just one verse. I've had mornings where I've opened up the Bible and it was just one verse and just Jesus and I sitting there looking at one verse. Oh God, I didn't get through my Bible through in a year. I messed up on this again. He doesn't care about me getting through the Bible in a year. He's got that one verse that he just keeps pushing into my heart. And I just spend time with Jesus. You know what? I'm so glad that when my wife and I go out on dates, it's like, and now it's time. Now we shall have dessert. Okay, let's have dessert. Oh, oh, that's not on the rule. Don't do that. We're not, we, no, we don't have rule dating. We have dating. Where, let's, let's just hang out. Let's be together. You be you. I'll be me. And we just love being with each other. You know what? This is a good thing. But Jesus and I go out on dates every day. And he just lets me be me. He just lets me be me. He lets me be me. And you know what? I pursue him. And when I'm done, I leave becoming more like him. He lets me be me when I get there. But man, when I leave, I'm not the same as I was when I got there. Lead me to the cross. So what tree are you focused on? There's only one tree for me. It's where he shed his blood. And we lift high the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not standards, not rules, but Jesus. This morning as our ushers come to service communion today, I want to just encourage you today, maybe where you are, or is it it's about ready to wash some shame away it's about ready to wash wash that guilt you've been carrying you've been carrying a guilt and a shame you've been carrying a guilt and a shame and as these ushers hold these elements just before we serve with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning you say Jason I've been living a life of rules there's been a shame and a separation but today I want to commit my pursuit or recommit to my pursuit of God if that's you today with every head bowed and every eye closed just before we serve communion here would you just raise your hand if that's you today you say I want to commit to that pursuit of God 
Is there anyone else this morning? Man, he loves you. He loves you. He's not counting man's sins against them. He loves you. He loves you. Come out from hiding. Take the fig leaves off. He already cursed them. Father, I pray that you would be glorified as we spend time to commune with you in your presence, Lord, as we take of this meal together, this cracker and this juice representing your body and your blood, I pray that guilt and shame would fall off. Lord, though we're naked, may we not be focused on our nakedness, but may we be focused on your glory. Clothed in your righteousness, not to be naked and ashamed any longer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you're served this morning, I ask you just to hold the elements together. We'll pray and receive at once. But just hold these elements today. And as we sing this song, just commit to God that pursuit to say, God, I'm going to pursue you because you are the rewarder of those who earnestly seek you. He's not a rule maker. He's a rewarder. And when you seek him, he'll bring along the standards and the rules that you need in life. You set your purpose to pursue him. Let's commune with him together as we sing and as we hold these elements, preparing to receive communion together. as you're holding the elements I know a couple of us are still being served this afternoon but as you hold the elements would you just pray a prayer of commitment to God to say God help me to pursue help me to pursue what you have called me to pursue Eve set her eyes on the wrong fruit the wrong tree she forgot about the tree of life the Bible says at the center were two trees But in Eve's world, the center was one tree. Because somewhere along the line, either she got it from Adam or she just came up with it herself. But she turned God into a God of rules. She turned God into a God of must do, have to do, cannot do. And she missed that he's the God who makes all things new. That he renews and restores us. Even now, as you hold those elements, would you just say to God, God, today, help me to pursue you the way you pursued me. (laughs) He gave everything for that pursuit. His literal life and blood. Thank you, men, for serving us this morning. Jesus would you just begin to thank him that your shame has been washed away son daughter he's not waiting for you to do something more so he can love you more because he'll never love you more than he loves you right now he'll never love you more than he loves you right now yeah he knows what you did last night he still loves you Yeah, he knows the regrets that are haunting you. He loves you. He wants to take you from that fig 
style of living, of hiding, and bring you to a place where you're covered by his righteousness. Listen, my righteousness is like filthy rags, but I'm not wearing my righteousness. I took off the figs and I'm now covered in his righteousness. I'm not covered in my own. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. What was yesterday doesn't matter today. What happened in your life that that guilt and that weight begins to just carry on you and becomes really a stage of of just heaviness and burden that it's hard to experience joy. Here's what the Bible says. I believe it's Psalm 59. If you want me to find it later, I'll find it. But here's what it says. I don't have the exact reference. But the Bible says this. You will no longer be clothed in your shame, but will be radiant with the joy of his presence. You'll no longer be covered or clothed in shame. And it's interesting. Every time shame shows up, it uses it in a part of clothing, wearing it. That's what the enemy does to try and cover up your your nakedness. He tries to make you feel shame. But God wants you to take that off and allow his covering. That you will no longer be clothed in shame, but will be radiant with the joy, the joy, the joy. Here's what I'm telling you today. You let that shame go and let joy come into your heart today. You let the joy of the Lord come into your heart today. Father, we pray your blessing on these elements. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you called us to take up our cross and to walk after you. That identity that you called us to, Lord, is to not be identified with rules, but to be identified with pursuing you because you are the rewarder of those who earnestly seek you. So God, today, what we hold is not not elements that give us rules, but God, elements that have bought our freedom, that have set us free. And we thank you for it. We pray your blessing on it now in Jesus' name. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the healing that he bore for us as we take together. He had such love and commitment that he poured out his blood. But do you realize how he did it? The Bible says that when he was betrayed, he had dinner with his disciples. But after he was taken, the Bible says that they stripped him. And they hung him on a cross, naked. He bore our shame so that we could be covered in his righteousness. He hung naked in front of a world, shamed and humiliated. But in doing so, he took our shame so that we might be covered in his righteousness. So the enemy's looking at you and say, hey, you're naked. You need to be ashamed. Jesus looks at you and says, hey, remember the cup. I already hung naked. I took your shame. It's gone. 
This is a new covenant. The old is gone. This is a new beginning. And some of you, as you drink this, this, this juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ, you need to allow and say to God, God, let the shame be gone. I'm drinking of your new covenant. I'm drinking of your promise. I'm no longer living as the son of an alcoholic. I'm the son of Jesus Christ. I'm no longer the identity of what used to be because my dad's not even an alcoholic anymore. He loves Jesus Christ. We're not what we used to be. We live today in the future and the hope that God has called us in. That's worth drinking to. I'm not, I'm not making light of that. Jesus said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we drink to the remembrance of his blood that was poured out for you and those of you in the name of Jesus, the shame that's been dragging in your childhood. That daughter that's been looking for the love of a father and you've tried to find it in other men and in other places. That shame that has been haunting you in Jesus' name, be gone. That shame that has been holding you up, man, because you haven't been doing what you think you should be doing and there's regret, there's guilt, and you've been living with the shame of you're not good enough. You're not doing what God's called you to do. Let that shame be gone and let today be the day that you pursue him. Not the one who makes up rules, but the one who's a rewarder of those who seek him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's take and do this in remembrance of him. Hallelujah. Come on, once you've tasted of that, I want you to stand to your feet and just begin to worship the one who has set you free, the one who has taken your shame, the one who has washed you, who's made you new, the one who has baptized you in his water and in his spirit, who has washed away your sin. Shame is gone in Jesus' name. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe his word? By faith, by faith, I encourage you to just walk in that today. Listen. There'll be people coming along in life trying to eye you up. Trying to say, hey, do you measure up? I'm not trying to measure up to you. I'm trying to measure up to the one who loves me. Amen? We make up rules when we do this. We have a relationship. We look this way. There's two trees in the garden. Don't forget about the tree of life. You hold on to the tree, the cross of Jesus because it's the bridge to get us from the bad tree to the tree of life. But the Bible says in Revelation 22 that there'll be a tree and down the middle will be a river. And how many know that that river is flowing from the tree of life? Who is the tree of life? It is Jesus Christ who gave himself. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything we are is in Jesus. Jesus. And I just... Here, but I got to say what the Spirit's saying to me. I'm a 37 year old father, and I might be speaking to daughters who are older than me. The Holy Spirit wanted me to say to you, daughters, you are loved of God. Your past is gone. You are not and have not been what you were. And the enemy's trying to keep you in that shame. But the heart of the Father says, Tell the daughter that today, They've been made new. They were already made new. But the enemy just carried shame on their tail. And Jesus says today, cut off the tail. Don't let shame follow you any longer. 
Don't keep trying to earn someone's respect. Quit trying to earn someone's approval. Quit trying to earn. I just feel this strong for a woman. I don't know who you are today. The Holy Spirit is saying, quit trying to earn it. I love you not because you've earned it. I love you but because I created you and I've called you. And in Jesus' name, the heart of the Father is calling out to you today. Man, I, I, I'm a dad and I feel like it's some daughters that are older than me. But the Holy Spirit is saying, you're set free today in Jesus' name. That bondage of guilt is broken. You are free in the name of Jesus and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise this morning. Jesus, we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There, there's daughters this morning that God is setting free. We're gonna, I, I want to pray for men if you need prayer, but men, there's for some, there's, there's just a strong anointing for daughters today that God wants to, for some of you think, man, that sounds weird. No, that's just what I'm sensing in my spirit, and I believe it's confirmed that there's some daughters that God wants to set free today. And uh, if, you, if you need prayer, any of you, invite you to come. But I want to just pray a blessing over you today. And I believe that, they're, they're, that the Lord's going to heal some folks this morning. I've just sensed that in my spirit, some uh, emotional healing. But I just pray God's blessing over you. Father, I pray that in our nakedness we would not be shamed. But God, that we'd be covered in your righteousness. God, help our eyes to be fixed on you so much that we don't even realize what's missing. Because Lord, in you we find all we need. In Jesus' name, I pray he bless you. I pray he causes you to prosper in his love and his grace. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.